Well, it's that time of the season again. March. The start. The start of AFL. Yeah. Not too happy about it still being in daylight savings times, I have to say. These, yeah. these Friday night games, which are starting before I finish work, are really pissing me off. Played Demetrio. Only one more year of him. Well, maybe less. Yeah. If Tanya Hurd had her way. But anyway... <laughs> With uh, with the season in mind, a few questions to uh, to fire out and discuss. Fair first, enough. First question: Your beloved Hawthorne Hawks will they repeat? No, they will not. <laughs> Can we expand and, on that? Uh, did anyone see them in two thousand and nine after their last premiership? <laughs> uh, no, I just think um, I I don't trust them to mentally be strong enough to actually go back to back. Um, there's a self indulgence to them, which is quite annoying. <laughs> Um, and I think that Fremantle and Sydney um, will both be better than them this season. So that's unfortunately. You're, yeah. you're calling a Fremantle-Sydney yeah. granny. Yeah. So I think, I mean, Hawthorne will still finish well and truly near the yeah. top, but I just don't think they'll have well, that burning desire to get it done at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty much on spec with regards to it. If, you, if you're asking me to pick somebody right here and right now, though, I'd find it hard to, to go against Hawthorne. But I think, look, there's the reality of the competition this year, I feel that there's three standout candidates at the top end, which I think you've nailed, Hawthorne, mm-hmm. Fremantle, or Sydney. Yeah. I think there's three at the bottom in St Kilda, Melbourne, and GWS. Mm-hmm. And I feel that every other position is pretty yeah. much up for grabs. Yeah, that's <laughs> With, with very little between any of the other teams. Yep. So I think that it could be a, a case of 2011 all over again, whereby mm-hmm. the team that finishes first will have the distinct advantage. Yeah. Because they they potentially will get the uh, the soft draw going into mm. the into the granny. But um, yeah, I'll look, as I say, like, I, I, I'm probably leaning to a Hawthorne-Sydney grand final. Okay. Although I think that the, uh, the roles will be reversed from 2012. Fair enough. Well, I hope you're right. Will the Eagles make the eight? I have to say yes, just on the back of their draw, I think. Um, They'll get enough cheap wins at home, I think. Um, Well, I mean, that was their issue last year. They actually couldn't win here. Yeah. Um, Here, of course, being Perth. Um, (coughs) Yeah, look, I'm I'm with you. I think that looking at their schedule, their, their schedule's a bit softer. They should probably get... 12 wins without really even improving. Mm. So, but I think that there's, you know, they, they've made some nice additions to their uh, to their squad this year, and I think the coach will make a big difference. Actually, having a coach will make yeah. a big difference. It's a novel uh, concept, isn't it? And the, I mean, look, I find it, I genuinely try not to read too much into pre season form, but you'd have to think knocking Fremantle off twice is actually pretty encouraging. The second one in particular. I mean, yeah, the, the first sec- one, Fremantle yeah. didn't show up. No, that's right. But, I didn't take the first one very yeah. seriously, but beating the and the second time around was uh, was quite impressive. So yeah, yeah, I think that they're probably they'll probably fall in that six to ten range yeah. this year, but probably more towards the the eight end than mm. outside the eight end. Yeah. Who will rise? <coughs> Jack Gunston is my big pick. Um, I think he's got the potential to become like a key power forward for Hawthorne. Um, in the grand final last year, he was a bee's dick away from a Norm Smith. Um, and I think well, a Ross Warren yeah. coaching move away from a Norm Smith. Yeah. I think. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, he's one of the, the yeah, potential to be a real standout performer for a team right at the top of the ladder this year. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, all the other teams now. Well, jo- Josh Caddy's probably another one you, yeah. you might throw in there. Um, he might really come to the fore this season for Geelong. Um, well, I think that they, 
they're going to need Caddy to uh, yeah. to tee off, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I mean, <coughs> Jeremy Cameron, you know, whether he's rising or already up the top, I mean, he was very close to winning a a, um, a, Coleman, a Coleman medal last year. Yeah, in a so, in a an extremely crap team. Well, so I'm going to pick two. I'm actually going to pick two teams, and we've already mentioned one. I think the Eagles will rise to a certain extent this yeah. year. The other one in Adelaide. I, okay. I um I think if you know both of those teams were finals candidates. It's the the challenge that we have with both of these teams is to work out which year was the aberration. Was it 2013 mm. where they missed the finals, or 2012 when they, they were right a kick up away the, from a granny? Yeah, where Adelaide were a kick away from the granny, mm. and the Eagles went that far away from a prelim. Yep. So I think with both of those teams, they actually copped a, copped their fair whack of injuries last year, and you'd think it's going to be highly unlikely that they'll suffer the same fate two years in a row. Yeah. So I could see both of them being the teams that rise up into the top eight. Fair enough. The other the other smoky and it's contingent, of course, on what happens with the Sada is anything could happen with Essendon. Mm. Essendon could win the flag. Essendon could win the spoon. <laughs> there. Yeah. I guess, you know, their variance is so much greater than anybody else. So it will be mm. interesting to see what happens with them. Who will fall? Um, I mean, a part of me wants to say Geelong, but yeah. you've been saying that at the start of every year for a few years now, and it just hasn't happened. Um, I think their home ground advantage is so big down at Cardinia Park. I think they get a lot of wins there. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say L. Franklin, um, just because I think with all the hype and everything that's surrounded, him and the ridiculous, unrealistic um, contract which he's signed. Um, I'm just not sure he is... Well, he's certainly passed his best. And I'm not sure whether he has that burning desire to actually prove the doubters wrong now. Mm. Um, I think he's the type of guy who'll find it a lot easier to just coast along in neutral for, for 19 games out of the season, you know, do something spectacular for the other three, but certainly not give Sydney... Um, the bang for their buck that they would be hoping for from him. I'm going to go two, and they're a little bit more left field. James Hurd and Andrew Demetrio. Mm. I'd be surprised if either of them see out their current contracts. The word is today that they Essendon may have confirmed Hurd's job for 2015. I've heard. Yes, well, um, I think Asada uh, may have something to say about that just yeah. yet. So. Uh, and, you know, I'd love it to happen, because yeah. then there'd actually be some action being taken on the filthy drug cheats who've brought the game into more disrepute than anyone before them um, but, but I just can't see yeah. it happening at this stage and I can understand the Geelong thing I actually think that the team that will that were in the eight that will probably fall the most will be Collingwood who are going mm. through a pretty a, uh, a pretty dangerous transition stage yeah. of their development and they're definitely I think going to have to step backwards to go forwards right. who's feeling the pressure um, well the two names that you threw out there previously would probably be <laughs> close to the top of that list um, I'll go first. I'm going to throw. I, I'll I, throw. I, I, I will go. Um, Mick Malthouse. Yes, I'd it. say um, because I think everyone, uh, I guess, thought of him as the Messiah riding in on this white horse to save Carlton. And based on what we've seen so far, uh, you know, with, with not a great list, admittedly, but he certainly hasn't really done anything to turn their fortunes around significantly. 
Well, I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario, isn't it? Is that they they bought Malthouse in because they didn't believe Ratton to be a very good coach, which mm. may or may not be true, but Malthouse hasn't exactly set the world on fire. Well, I mean, towards the end of last year, they flashed up a stat which showed that I think Ratton had won one more game mm. um, at the same stage of the season than Malthouse had. So, yeah, I think he's just someone, because of his reputation and the, the fanfare with which he arrived, yeah. he's someone I'd, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, feeling um, the pinch. <coughs> I'll throw two names forward, mm-hmm. and and interesting names given their contract statuses as well. Where both have been extended recently, Brad Scott and Nathan Buckley. Mm. Now, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Buckley if Collingwood does actually miss the finals. Yeah, um, Eddie's uh, situation might not—he might not look so smart extending a guy for two years. Well, I found that—I found that staggering that he yeah. just got an extension. But um, um, I think the Brad Scott case is a very interesting one because he's actually the second longest tenured coach at the moment in their current position. Is Clarkson which, first? Yes, or? behind yeah. Clarkson, which a lot of people would find hard to believe. Now, keep in mind, Brad Scott's yet to win a final. And uh, during that time, seven coaches who have been appointed after him have won finals, one of which actually went and won a premiership in John Longmire. On top of that, you had Hawthorne, Brisbane, the Eagles, St Kilda and the Bulldogs winning finals during that time as well. So 12 of the 18 teams have won finals since Brad Scott was appointed. And to be honest, we can give two of the teams in GWS and Gold Coast a pass because they're they're new to the competition and they're startup franchises. So that leaves Richmond, Essendon, North Melbourne and Melbourne. Probably, and I mean... Essendon would have, you know, Essendon would have won a final last probably year. would have got yeah. and won a final last yeah. year, to be honest. Richmond finished fifth in the regular season. Mm. So, I mean, with that in mind, you've got to actually ask where in North at. Yeah. Now, I think everybody believes that, I, I mean, I've heard some ridiculous talk, much like the Eagles talk of last year, that North's a top four team. I don't see it. Mm. I, I think that they've got a bunch of front runners in their midfield in particular, and I don't think that they're a team that's very well coached. No. So if they, you know, with all this talk, you, I mean, look at what happened to Worsfold last year. You know, winning a flag a few years ago didn't help him. Yeah. What's Brad Scott got to fall back on? No, and I mean, the one final they have played in that time was... One of the most, one of the biggest mismatches in AFL final history, you'd have yes, to say. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, they might as well not have played. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, you were the team that finished ninth were better placed than North Melbourne yeah. were, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess moving on the coaches front, how will Paul Ruse go? Uh, Paul Ruse go at Melbourne. Um, it's an interesting one because you'd think, I mean, that you'd think they'll have to improve because they couldn't possibly go any worse than last season. So. Um, you'd say there's definitely scope for them to sort of reach, say, six wins this season. Um, but I think I think he'll he'll do enough to make everyone think it was a good decision. Um, so as much as much as I don't like to say it, as much as I really don't like the bloke, um, I think he'll he'll probably bring about an improvement. I think you'll see a lot of players improving this season and I think a lot of their young recruits will go very well so like your Tysons and your Mitchies and your those sorts of guys um, so I think there'll be enough there for him to work with um, and see some improvement whether he'll you know stick around for long enough to actually achieve anything with that group I wouldn't have thought so um, but I think yeah they'll, they'll certainly um, you know push up and get a few more victories this season yeah. now um, my take on this is that six wins might be a bit much maybe four I 
I'm just thinking about it now. <laughs> I mean, my take on this is that it's the perfect um, the perfect storm for Ruse when you think about it is is that if he wins, he gets all the credit. Mm. If he loses, he never had the cattle to begin with. Yeah. So, and you know, he's getting paid a million and a half a year yeah. to do that. I mean, it's the... If you're asking me whether he's going to earn his paycheck, then the nah. answer is definitely no. No. Nah. I mean, it's a win-win-win on all fronts mm. for him. Yeah. Like, look, yeah, I mean, I mean, off the field, we might see some improvements. That club has just been, a, you know, they've been a joke. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody could probably go in there and improve that, that club, yeah. but... Yeah, I'm not expecting too much of Melbourne in the short to medium term. Yeah. Who will surprise everyone this year? Look, I don't know how much of a surprise this is, but at this stage, I'll throw this out there. Fremantle will surprise everyone and win their first premiership this year. Um, I don't know how much of a surprise, as I say, I don't know how much of a surprise, but I still don't think they're getting enough recognition because when I see the tips for this year... I don't think anyone had them finishing on top of the ladder, and I think very few people had them making a grand final. And I think you underestimate them at your peril this season because they will be nigh on impossible to beat at home, and Ross Lyon doesn't lose at Eddie Hat either. Mm. So I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to finish very high up the ladder. And at this stage, I think perhaps, uh, you know, shades of Hawthorne last season, of West Coast in 2006, of countless teams before them, that mm. pain from losing the grand final last year, where they were, I mean, they were in it up to their eyeballs and just nerves took them in the first half and um, made it a bit too hard for them to get back in the game. But yeah. I think, yeah, at this stage, yeah, I'll, um, I'll pick them for the flag and I'd say that's probably enough to be a surprise. Yeah, well, I don't think they'll get it. You'd be surprised. that conver- The conversion rate of teams coming back and winning is quite low. I think it's only five in the last 25 years. Okay. So it's not as big a... Mo- it's, I guess it's not as big an indicator as you'd probably think. And mm. I just worry about... I just have my concerns about Fremantle. I mean, they absolutely have to finish top two. Yep. And um, I don't know if they can. I don't know if they'll win enough games to get there. So I'm not sure about them. My surprise is going to be the two new franchises. Mm. I, I both, mean, both we, we've done this... chalked up a win yeah, in round right. one. We've done this after the first round. Yeah. And I, I think that both of them are going to take some, some scouts that you wouldn't have oh. expected throughout the year. I think Gold Coast will be very, very tough to beat yeah. at home this season. And my... And I mean, I was... <laughs> I, I'm going to call this. I think the round 23 Gold Coast versus the West Coast Eagles may decide a final spot. Ooh, and where's that being played? It's at Metricon. Ooh. So I, I think Gold Coast will be right up there around the mark for the lower lower yeah. ends of the eight. I, I could I can see them winning double digit games this year, mm. and I can see GWS not winning the spoon, mm. which leads me to my next question: Who's going to win the spoon? Well, I'm saying GWS still. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. yeah, I'm still going to lump for them. Uh, I think St Kilda and Melbourne could give them a good run yeah. for their money, um, but I'm still going to go GWS to finish last. It's an interesting one because you know St Kilda are a Nick Rewald injury away from finishing last. Well. well yeah, him and him and Montagna, you'd yeah. say, are the two keys. Yeah. Um, I'm, no, I'm going to stick with my thoughts. I'm, I'm going to go with St Kilda. Fair enough. Um, I just think, yeah, I mean, they've openly admitted that they're in a rebuilding phase. So, I mean, the, the stupidest thing they've done is they've wasted the last two years, really. Yeah. Um, to sack the coach two years in when he's already rebuilding and working towards a plan. Yeah. That's a big call to make. Um, yeah. And I think it is wasting. Wasting a lot of time when, as everyone knows, the important thing in the AFL is often how you bounce back from landing towards the bottom. Um, 
So yeah. you get your draft picks, you know, rebuild your side and make your way back up the ladder. Yeah, that's um, right. And you can't afford to miss. That's mm, the problem. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, for them to make that decision was a very big call. Um, and they're probably, in terms of who's feeling the pressure, you'd say, yeah, St Kilda would be right up there. Who's underrated? But who's underrated? Um, Team, club, player. It's a good question. Um... Someone like Stephen Hill, I always think is a very underrated player at Fremantle. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm doing well here, aren't I? Do you want to perhaps give me your answer and I'll desperately try and think of someone? Eric McKenzie for me. Mm. Yeah, that is a good hit. Um, he's quietly, over the past two or three years, I think he's been the most consistent key defender. Not mm. named Harry Taylor in the AFL. Yeah. Um, over his career, Ben Rutten is criminally underrated. Yeah. Um, is that you never hear people talk about Ben Rutten being one of the best key defenders of this particular generation, but he's been rock solid for Adelaide for well over a decade mm. now. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it probably counts as much anymore, but I'll say Ken Hinckley as well, because I think mm. what he has done with that club and the way he has turned them around, um, and if you just listen to him speak, they interviewed him before the game uh, against Carlton this week on Sunday and he's, he's he's so eloquent and he speaks so well and he's got such a clear plan and vision I mean one of the biggest questions that everyone asks now is how was this guy missed for so long I mean he's been around for years how was he not in a senior gig and, like this? and he almost got that job by default mm, because yeah. it was apparently Scott Burns's to lose yeah um, but that's a very good choice yeah. by the record yeah he's he's talk about I mean if you think about what you know what Melbourne wants of Paul Ruse is essentially what Ken Hinkley's done yeah. at Port Adelaide. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I still think that Ross Lyons a little bit underrated, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, he certainly. I think that people have a, a a misconception about his style of play, and that it's saying that they don't think that it's <laughs> offensive enough. Yes. Mm. Billy agrees Williams with me with here. You. Yeah. I've seen signs of the, with this Fremantle, with the Fremantle team at the moment, that that mix has been changed, mm. and that's. I mean, to be honest, I think that, that it has to that has to work for them to win a flag. Yeah, I'm not as convinced that it will get there, but you just have to look at the guy's record. He's done such a great job turning around two two teams that historically have had very little success, and mm. turn them both. Okay, he hasn't won a grand final, but he's got teams there, oh, and no. there's a lot of coaches that wouldn't mind getting to a grand final. Yeah, get oh, I mean, well, one, he's one bounce of the ball away yeah. in the goal square with Stephen Milne from having won a yeah. grand final. So. And as you said, Fremantle had their chances. If Hayden Ballantyne had decided to play for Hawthorne in last yeah. year's grand final... Re- reference the Leon Davis yeah. medal. <laughs> we might have said something different. Yeah. So, moving on from that, overrated... <sighs> Well, Nathan Buckley is the first name I throw out there. Um, you know, following on from the discussion we've just had about him, um, for that guy to get a contract extension is extraordinarily surprising to me. And I think he's done very little with that club. Um, and I think it's more about the ongoing man crush between Eddie Maguire and himself yeah. that's that's shorn, shorn up his position. Mm. Um, <coughs> Other than that, um, well, Tom Scully, the fact that anyone rates him at all continues to, to <laughs> amaze me. I mean, arguably the worst number one draft pick of the last 20 years. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the fact that GWS paid that much money for him, is it just shows how much more money than sense that club actually has got. Uh, 
and I guess the other one I'd throw out there, see these are both, all guys not very high up but the other one I'd throw out there is James Podziadley who for me has been the worst forward in the competition for a couple of years now and what Adelaide are thinking picking that guy up I mean he should be disappearing into the sunset he is not good enough to play AFL level I, I will say that on the record um, so I was very very surprised I mean I was shocked to hear that Fremantle were apparently considering him as well because I just think he can't cut it at this level so I'll yeah throw his name in the mix as well I'd be throwing my traditional names up here I think North Melbourne as a team are overrated I think Carlton as a team are overrated but I'm going to pick off a couple of people in particular Matthew Cruiser I don't don't know why people rate this guy he doesn't seem to be a ruckman he doesn't seem to be a forward everybody talks about his potential but the reality is is that this guy was drafted a year before Nick Nat Nui Mm. so you know if people are talking about you know expecting Nat Nui to deliver yet they're giving Cruiser a pass on potential yeah I don't get that 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 just doesn't work for me so fair enough so I guess they're the questions I had yeah any you want to throw into the mix well I mean I think we've covered most of them the obvious ones would be yeah the spoon and who's going to make the grand final and win the flag this year um so do you have we've kind of discussed those yeah in yeah as I said I've got St Kilda probably coming last yep I've got Hawthorne in a Hawthorne Sydney grand final and yeah I realise you know it's been we've waited a while now for a team to go back to back I just yeah. think that I just think that Hawthorne uh, how badly they backed up in 2009 yeah. I think that that's going to spur them on well I hope perhaps you're correct. More, correct perhaps more so than the thing yeah. and as I say given where things are at right now if you're telling me I have to make a pick that's my pick but yeah. you, you genuinely don't know for sure what's going to happen until you look in 10 or 11 rounds alright the last question then I'll throw out there is how many years will Sydney have to pay Lance Franklin for while he's sitting on the sidelines doing nothing at least three possibly more at least three yep. well the, the the story was apparently that G, the GWS deal was same money over six years mm. and that um, the, the thinking is is that Franklin's probably only got about six years left in him the way that he plays isn't conducive to ageing no, well exactly his speed is everything his contested marking is shocking yeah. so. well, he's a, I said to someone the other day he's a six foot five and a half half forward flanker yeah. that's how he plays so yeah as he hits you know early to mid 30s his performance will drop away quite yeah. significantly you probably know better than me he's, he's late 20s at the moment isn't he yeah I think he's 27 yeah yep. so I mean based on that we're saying four or five years yeah. I, th- I think that they might get six out of him yeah. and look you know Sydney have obviously taken a punt on the salary crap Ugh, salary crap no yeah. Yeah, yeah no that's correct well, it is salary them, crap yeah for them it's that, the salary that's it. crap but you said that correctly the salary yeah. cap growing significantly over the time yeah. so that they can absorb the back end of that deal but I, I just think it's the most mind-bogglingly stupid deal I've ever seen. To expect someone like that to play for 10 years is absurd. And I love the fact that the AFL have come out and explicitly said, we will not be giving them extra assistance or anything if this deal falls flat on its face. Yeah. Because I think it, it, it's just... Well, I, I he's think... never going to play for the next 10 years. Yeah. And the way his manager and everyone are coming out and saying he definitely will, it's horseshit. Let's have some honesty, you know. I mean, it will... So, uh, yeah. The whole thing just is... is I mean, it's, it's just pathetic Sydney crap that we're used I to. I mean, who knows 
what can happen over that time. I mean, yeah. you know, Anthony Kudafidis was arguably the best player in the competition at one stage, and he blew his knee out, and Carlton were having to pay him a million dollars mm. to sit on the sidelines and yeah. do nothing there for a while. So, yeah. You, yeah, there's no certainties in life. So I mean, there's no one in the AF. I wouldn't give Jeremy Cameron a 10-year deal right now, and I reckon he's going to become, you know, hands down the best forward yeah. of this generation, and I still wouldn't give him a 10-year deal. So I think, yeah, anything more than five years is risky. I, and five's even a little bit mm. extreme. He said before Natanui signs a six-year deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's another person whose game will probably not translate too mm. well into his early 30s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Would you pay Nick Natanui five million over five years? Uh, no, I, th- I think it's a bit long. I, yeah. As you say, I, I, I'm not a fan of Do these you, deals. I think. Are you blinking at a, mu- at a million a year for someone like that, though? No. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think if West Coast are to do anything, then he's a key component of that. Yeah. So he has to he has to be in their top sort of five players yeah. across a season in order for them to achieve success. So yeah, I can he's understand. A, he's arguably their most important player because yeah. he's he's the guy that makes the average midfield look better than average. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, in terms of that, and obviously it's just a supply and demand. It's yeah. economics one hundred and one. You know, yeah, it, exactly it's right. shoring him up to make sure that no one comes and poses. I think him, you know so. you almost got to separate the two. Is that let's you know Nat Nui will make that money five times over in marketing alone. Yeah. So um, in a free market situation, he'd be getting paid a hell of a lot more than that but you're working within the confines of salary cap I'd like to think that it was a five year five million deal contingent with a few key performance yeah. things having to get yeah. in there like having to make all Australian teams having to finish top five in the best and fairest having to play you know 15 to 18 games minimum a year yeah. getting some bonuses based on that if you were paying him 600 flat a year with 400 in bonuses that took him up to a million I wouldn't have a problem with that because yeah. to be perfectly honest I look at the Eagles and I wonder who else I'd be giving that money Money too. Um, so if that if that's how the deal was going to be structured, I don't see I don't see any issues with it. But if it's a flat million, I'd have my concern. Mm. But the argument then would be if you're going to trade him, a would you ever trade him, and b what what type of windfall do you reckon you get for him? Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, you get two top ten picks probably as a minimum, yeah. which is scary in itself. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for now. Yeah. So we'll check back around eleven and laugh at how bad yeah, these exactly. picks are. Well, if this is anything. Uh, close to our Ashes predictions from last year that then uh, St Kilda are looking good for a top four finish and yeah that's right will compete for the spoon but we'll that's see right, how yeah. we go <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, and of course, both of us uh, faced the um, the somewhat shameful prospect of trying to bounce back from losing our dream team lead to Timbo last season. So there's plenty to play for in the fantasy side of things as well. That was a sad day for all of us. Yes. So yeah, although, Pl- although plenty we... to play for this year. I was going to say that we do have the luxury of not having to compete with him, I believe, at this particular point. Well, at this stage, yeah, due to the um, the AFL fantasy. His restructure, which yeah. he's running scared. Let's face yeah, it, he's running scared. Yeah. Well, in fairness, he did try and make a team the night before, but that was when the site had um, gone into a post-nuclear meltdown. So which <laughs> I'm sure you'll you'll be hearing about yeah. soon. Yeah. Well, geez, you're watching the footy. 
and the down down debacle has begun. Deeper, deeper down down. I I don't know who is responsible for this ad, but I will find you. I will kill you, and I will bury you deeper down down than anyone has been buried before. I hate I this think ad. I think that's so terrible. Yeah, they're looking at the bottom of the barrel. So, oh. can we go down, down, down below the bottom of the barrel? Apparently, we they're can go scraping the underside of it. We right can go now. deeper down, down. Oh, I hate that ad. Fuck you, Coles. Fuck you, everyone responsible for that ad. Mm. I used to say down, down. Profits are down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, customer sentiment is certainly down. <laughs> Likeability of their ads. Yeah. Anyway, you guys suck. Please die. Now, Dan, I know you love your cricket. After guilty, watching, guilty after charged. watching the uh, South Africa Australian series, oh. how good was Quarky when you consider Quarky? Quarky, Quarky. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm semi erect right now for Rhino Harris. Just thinking of those last two wickets. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, unbelievable that after you know who was the? I, I can't believe that we had you know collectively seven one the Ashes. Yeah. Going England's way. Like, what the hell? The it's like, it's actually been 7 1 Australia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, unbelievable. But, yeah. um. No, look. No, okay, no. so I've been watching it, and I, there's just two two things that kind of get my goat. Yep. And I know I'm going to have your backing on one of them. Alrighty. DRS for LBW. Oh. Now, why the hell do they bother to check if the ball's hit the bat or not, if it's not going to hit the stumps? Yep. Surely the first thing that you should be checking is. Is those three green lights yeah yeah absolutely they waste about five minutes working out whether or not there's an inside edge when by the time they get to the last one they can throw the ball down oh well it's pitched a meter outside leg stump so it's all for naught the the amount of time the thing takes i mean i've gone on the record as saying i don't think they should have drs for lbws at the best of times because i think it's an inexact science Mm. um it's unlike something like a run out or a stumping where you can clearly see the bats behind the line or it's not um for lbws i'm more than happy to just give the umpires the power to make these decisions and tell the players to actually sack up show some sportsmanship and just accept the umpire's decision. Um, but yeah, you, you're absolutely right in terms of the like the order in which they do things when yeah. they're going through the process. A lot of the time, it gets to the last one. It's just oh well, it's missing the stumps by a meter. You know oh well, it's it's not even hit him in line. Like just do that first, and then go back and take care of all the other incidental yep. bits. And the only reason they do it is because they want to grandstand by having the three red lights come up as the final moment. Well, no, don't worry about that. I'm sure no one will care that that's not the final moment when they're saving half an hour per day in a test match because of all the time saved not checking hotspot and other things. And that brings me to my second point which is actually about time wasting. I'm going to borrow a rule thing, well a a kind of an idea from the NFL to fix the cricket. Now the thing, one of the things that really annoys me is checking if the ball if a guy's big toe seems to be touching the rope Mm. while he knocks the ball back from within play. Let's just simplify this process down completely. The ball has to cross the rope for it to be a boundary. Mm. Secondly, using the NFL rule here, if you catch the ball within the field of play and you land with two feet in the field of play in front of the rope, that's a fair catch. Mm -hmm. So if you land with two feet and then you cross the rope, that's fine. That's a fair catch. Seeing these things where people catch the thing, straddle the rope, throw the thing up in the air, jump over, jump back, Mm -hmm. it it just looks stupid. Not a fan. Not a fan. (laughs) 
And the, I, I think the NFL rule is perfectly fine. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If you stop the ball, essentially, and you're still within the field of play, yeah. then that's a legitimate catch. Thoughts? Comments? No, I think that's all fair enough. I think the, the biggest, one of the biggest problems they have now is that a lot of the time getting 90 overs in throughout yeah. one day just doesn't happen. And you just have to ask yourself why. Like... And it's it should like, not be but that it's difficult. things like this. Mm. This is the thing. As you quite rightly said, all of these things across the course of a day probably add up yeah. to about half an hour. Yeah. And I think... But I, th- I also think the biggest one is two-game suspension for a captain. Blanket call. If he doesn't get, you know, within a certain... You know, if he doesn't get... Yeah, within a certain proximity of at least managing to get through the 90 overs a day. There should not be an issue getting through 90 overs in a day. I mean, I've played cricket uh, just locally for an E-grade side where we've played 40 over games that start at 1pm and finish before sundown. So 80 overs we get through in a day. It's not that difficult and frankly, if you're not doing it, then you're spending too much fucking time consulting with everyone, setting your fields, doing all this other bullshit. So just bring in a harsh penalty for it and I reckon it would cease to be an issue. But I think that these measures would also help. And I think that that's the important thing. Just simplify the decision-making process in order to to get some of that time back in the first place. There you have it. There it is. ICC, pay attention. Yeah. Make it happen. While I remember talking about South Africa versus Australia in the cricket, I want to make two, two comments. Firstly, how good is it not to hear slats and heels in the commentary oh, box? Yes. A thousand times, yes. <laughs> and secondly, to the cameraman in South oh, Africa, we salute you. Cam. Yes. <laughs> one of the great innovations of all time. Boo cam. You've got to love it. There's just as much to watch between deliveries as there is when the play is on. And now yeah. we know why the commentators don't speak between balls. Yeah. <laughs> Too busy whacking off. Yeah. No, but he's, he could get a job at any uh, modelling agency, I reckon, because his ability to spot talent yeah. is spot on. Mm. Yes. Thank you, kind sir. We salute you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hijack one of your segments again. Fantasy coach killers. How about the AFL fantasy website? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about Entire coach killers. In general. Killed every coach. Mm. Every single coach. Yes, this is a very, very sore point for me, my friend. Not so much the AFL one. I mean, let's put things in perspective. I was lucky enough to have three days off at the start of that week, which meant I actually had my team organised, set, and locked in. If that hadn't been the case... Locked and loaded Terry yeah, Wallace style. Yeah. Now, if yeah. that hadn't been the case, then yes. I, there's a good chance I would have flown over and killed someone. <laughs> um, but on the footy tip side... Friday night, just before the first game is about to start. And one of the biggest things with footy tips is that in their fantasy, the prices change after week one. So you really have to nail those rookies. You have to get them bang on because they go up from their starting price of a dollar to up to five dollars you can get for them. So it's really important that you get that bang on in round one. I see Tom Langdon hasn't got the vest for Collingwood. And I think to myself, oh, you know what? I'm going to start him on my field because I think he'll be all right. And more importantly, I can tell right now he's not going to get green vested, whereas all the other rookies are still a chance. Go to log on to the site. (coughs) Free tips is down. We apologize for the inconvenience and all this other horse shit that pulled out of their ass. So I kept trying pretty much every minute on the minute until the bounce down. When I realised, no, it was too late, I'd missed out. Langdon went on to score 105 lazy points. Do you know who I had instead of him sitting on my bench? Jack Martin! Six points! 
Shoulder injury. His price won't go up at all. Not at all. And he's probably out for the year. No. Oh. This part of the year. So I've just been robbed, completely robbed of not only 99 points, but also a good like five bucks in the bank straight away after after one game. Just think about all these people that had uh, Jack, who were on Jack Martin for the Rising Star at fours. <laughs> How do you reckon they're feeling right about now? Probably about the same as I do. But what's worse is that the footy chip side have then come out and said, oh, because the site was down due to our fail of the epic variety, we're going to give everyone five out of five, oh, four out of four, sorry, with a perfect margin. For the first four games of the season. And I'm just sitting there going, well, how about my 99 fucking points and five bucks for my fantasy team then? Where's that refund? Oh, not cool. The only person in the world more pissed off than me right now would be Mr. Cameron Rule, who organised our tipping competition and somehow tipped GWS to beat Sydney. Now, can you imagine this? Possibly the single greatest footy tip of all time. Of all time! And he has lost that advantage because the website fucked up for everyone else a day before that. So I I actually, I want to shout out and officially say, Camo, I feel for you, my friend. You have you have just he, been he absolutely shafted. Po- he yeah. should seriously get extra points for that. Yeah, but I'm laughing at that because I was actually sitting on the big donut after four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, as, as was Adam Wilson. I can I can tell you, and he he. Uh, uh, sorry, the bag man. I keep forgetting. No, yeah, who's no, this Adam? Yeah, yeah, no one will know that. Adam, who's yeah. this Adam? But the, the best thing was, I believe he was sitting on O from four last season as well. So he he seems to have a traditionally slow start, you might say. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I want yeah, to know what Jizz Master Pino would make of it. <laughs> I mean, I have to chuckle at the moment because uh, since that weekend, I've gone four for four yep. with the second round. You so and me both. I could be looking at a perfect round. And will the- we get the Whoppers footy tips? Will we get the Whoppers? No. Come on. My money's on no. no. But, uh, but we should. It's their fault. The site fucked up. Yeah. They yes. should just be giving everyone a whop for the sake of it. Yeah, exactly. We're sorry we ruined your weekend. Oh. But yeah, the, the Tom Langdon debacle. That just really sticks in my craw. Because it's so important at the start of the season to nail those rookies. And just just as a side note, uh, I ranted about how my basketball fantasy team got absolutely ravaged by injury over one weekend. It was Black Saturday. <laughs> you won't believe who's winning that conference. <laughs> Starts with a G, ends with a J. <laughs> you could say that, yes. <laughs> Admittedly, it's because I played more games than everyone else, but I don't think they're going to catch up. There's a nice. month to go. They haven't got enough time, I don't think, to yeah. catch up. And one of them's too busy with his uh, newfound fatherhood as well to really do much, I'd say. So mm. sex joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I may still... Nice work. A rags to riches story. <laughs> Boston Red Sox just, style. Just, uh, just for the record, Blake Griffin, thank you so much for having a career year. Now, you, you, actually, saved you actually had a go at me for, uh, for not taping the discussion... This year when we were when we yeah, were drafting our exactly. Team. It was a very last minute draft to be honest, but uh, I actually got ragged something chronic for picking Blake Griffin. And Ooh. I stood there and I said, New coach, I'm telling you this right now, he's going to have a career year this year. And they laughed again. <laughs> Right now, if you were doing the MVP vote, Blake Griffin would probably come third. <laughs> last laugh. Last laugh. Well played, yeah. So I'm saying, they could have had him. Yeah. They laughed at me. You guys can suck my ridges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>